Hello, and welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed our state's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson. I do communications here at Fresh Energy, and I'm here today to share with you a recording of our recent webinar, EV Exclusive. During that webinar, we had a Q&A with Minnesotans from across the state who drive electric vehicles. Our awesome panelists zoomed in from each of their garages with their EVs, and in some cases, pets and kids. Uh, so for those of you listening at home, since you don't have the benefit of the Zoom screen, I wanna share with you who is driving what um, in this webinar. So Lisa has a Kia Nero PHEV, Jody has a Nissan Leaf, Brian and Karen have a Tesla Model Y and Chevrolet Bolt, and Heather has a Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. Um, and with that, I will begin the recording. The first 10 minutes or so will be uh, Fresh Energy and Shift to Electric's Yuka Kukkonen, uh, giving a quick scoop on what is happening in EV tech. But then after that, we get to our panelists and the Q&A. Welcome everyone to EV Exclusive. My name is Joe Olson. I am the Senior Communications and Engagement Manager at Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota-based clean energy nonprofit, and we are co-hosting today's event with Yuka Kukkonen at Shift to Electric. So a few housekeeping things before we get started. Uh, we will be taking questions, probably a lot of questions at the end of the webinar. So please use that Q&A function at the bottom of your screen. You can use chat to chat your questions, but I think the Q&A is better. Um, you can see the questions that other people submit and upvote them. So they kind of climb up the screen. And that's the main thing I'll be looking at when we get to the Q&A. So I'd go that route if I were you. Um, before we dive into the content, I have uh, a call to action for everyone, because if you're on this call, you care about EVs and you care about EV infrastructure and adoption here in Minnesota. Um, and I am here to <laughs> give you a reminder and let you know that Clean Cars Minnesota still needs your help. And I'm sure that a lot of you on the call today submitted a comment through the rulemaking process hosted by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, which is still underway. I think we're expecting a decision uh, the first week in May, like uh, first or second week in May. So we'll have an update on that soon. But in the meantime, uh, the powers that be uh, at the legislature are making some trouble uh, for Clean Cars Minnesota. And they're actually working to uh, undermine what the MPCA is trying to do uh, with clean cars. There's a lot of information about this on the website, but ultimately we're asking that everyone use our action alert tool at fresh-energy.org slash take action to take like 30 seconds and tell your legislator to um, oppose Senate file 450, which has some not great things in it for PCA and uh, clean cars. So I'll put that in the chat box once I'm, I'm done talking, but one thing to do before you go to bed tonight or before you have dinner. Um, and then I want to invite you to register for Fresh Energy's summer webinar series. It's a free four-part series with some pretty cool guests. We're going to be talking about how district scale heat and power can achieve carbon reductions and union jobs. We'll talk about the workforce of the future and how we can ensure access to jobs in clean energy here in Minnesota. And then also what authentic community engagement looks like. So uh, register for that one. And now the main show, 
Um, those are my plugs. So thanks for hanging, <laughs> hanging out through that. Um, so I want to introduce our guest speakers. Um, but first, I want to say hello and welcome to Yuka Kukinen, the Chief Education Officer at Shift to Electric. Yuka also works really closely with Fresh Energy as an EV consultant. And then we've just got a fantastic lineup of panelists today. You're going to hear from Brian and Karen Anderson, Michael Barefoot, Heather Hoffman, Jody Slick, and Lisa Thurston. So I'll represent a really wide range of EVs and I'll use them super differently. So I think with that, this is what we're going to talk about. It's a lot of stuff. It includes market trends, charging 101. We'll hear five minutes from each panelist and then we'll get to your questions. But first, this is my reminder to send a poll to you. So you're gonna get a poll popping up on your screen that asks you two questions and I'll share the results after. But have you driven an electric vehicle? And then the second question, which of the following EV advantages interest you the most? So go ahead and submit your answers there. And um, that will help us kind of guide the conversation, um, let you can know the, the big questions that he needs to address during his brief 10 minute presentation coming up here. Uh, and then I see, oh, a bunch of you are voting. I'm gonna leave it open. And while I leave that open, Yuka, do you wanna take over from here? I'm gonna stop sharing my screen and turn it over to you. Okay, I can start that. Thank you, Joe. Uh, You're welcome. So I'll just share my screen here, but I won't be starting my presentation before you have gone through the poll. So we're, we're fine. With well, that. I'm gonna end the polling now and share the results. And it looks like we've got a nice mix of people who own EVs and folks who don't. Um, a lot of people have test driven. And then uh, the environmental impact is one of the key reasons folks are here today, which is pretty awesome. So lots of other good reasons to buy an EV, but apparently no one's buying them for preheating and faster heating. So you could cut that part of your presentation. That's a missed <laughs> opportunity here. Totally missed opportunity. I, I Maybe I should concentrate on that area because it's not clear for people why they should choose that option oh. anyway. Well, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next 30 minutes, huh? Yep. Yep. That's where we go. All right. I'll, I'll probably uh, tread lightly on that one. But uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Jukka Kukkonen. And, um, and as I said, I coordinate the Minnesota EV Owners Group. And, and our panelists today are, are members of our group. We have been um, existing since 2012, and we have grown to become one of the biggest and most active regional EV owners groups in the US. So join us, even if you don't have EV, you can still become a member just by joining our Facebook page and our, our mailing list. And um, you can ask questions from our, our members then too, when, you, when you're really looking at your EV if you, if you don't own one. So you can find us at mnevowners.org. And uh, we are chapter of uh, National Electric Auto Association. And I'm hoping that this year we'll get to do actually more in-person events uh, when, the, when the summer starts, that would be great because last year we couldn't and, and those are always fun, fun events to do. All right. Next, let's talk about what makes EVs great and, and possible. I'm an automotive engineer by training. I used to work for Ford Motor Company and, and I've been actually technical trainer. And uh, so I know internal combustion engine in and out, which nowadays is totally useless information for me. But here's a picture of internal combustion engine. Um, you know that it's not very 
simple machine. We have used it for 100 years. Um, we are trying to capture the energy that is in gasoline in chemical form and uh, transform it into mechanical form um, so that we can get propulsion out of it. And we are doing this all by using small explosions. So you know that it's not a very efficient way to do it. That's why internal combustion engines are 10 to, 50, 10 to 20 or 15 to 25 percent efficient. Um, so we're losing a lot of uh, energy, most of it as heat um, when, when the engine is running. And someone has actually said that internal combustion engines are great heaters and they provide a little bit of propulsion power for us too, which is, I think, very, very well described what uh, internal combustion engines are. So that is a challenge with the internal combustion engine cars. When you compare this to electric motors, you can see a totally different picture. Um, housing, stator, and rotor, the only moving part in modern um, electric vehicle motor is the rotor. And that means that this mean machine is actually extremely efficient. It's 85 to 95% efficient. And it's also more powerful than internal combustion engines. So this is the reason why electric cars will take over the internal combustion engine. Internal combustion engine does not have chance in the long run. That's very clear. And again, I look at this from technology perspective, and that's when, when, I, when I started to work with electric cars, when I realized that this is going to happen, and uh, we're starting to see that happening. So let's look at the market developments a little bit. Um, in uh, the market, EV sales, both in US and Europe, uh, used to be pretty similar um, for years. And um, you would think that Europeans would be more enlightened, but it doesn't seem to be so. So, um, so don't, don't despair on that one. They, they were not doing any better than we were in the past, but now in 2019 and 2020, they actually, the sales in Europe has, has really taken off. And the reason for that is that European Union set up the tighter emission standards that required all auto manufacturers to provide EVs to the market. And when they started doing that, oh, market responded by saying, yes, we want this. And that's when the, when the sales took off. So let's look at the numbers. So last year, US light duty sales were down 14.4% overall uh, in the US because of the pandemic. The only major manufacturer that actually increased their sales considerably was Tesla. And they uh, sold 20% more vehicles and Tesla sells only electric cars. So I think that's a very good trend number for us. Tesla's market share of US EV sales was actually 66%. Uh, so they are, they are really um, eating many manufacturers' lunch right, lunches right now. EV market share in Europe in 2019 was 3.3%. Last year, 10.2%. So it tripled last year. Um, and that we can see on the, on the graph on the left. And as I said, the reason for it was better availability of the vehicles. Here in the US, we have uh, theoretically 50 vehicles available um, on our on US market overall, the EVs. In real life, unfortunately, those are not well available at all states, at all dealers. So I would say number is close to 15 to 20 that are well available everywhere. And the rest of them might be available in a paper. Compare this to the Europe, and you can see they have 170 models last year available. And that makes the difference. When people start to have op options that they can choose from, uh, 
that's what's going to happen and 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 this is this is the thing in germany in january actually that should be this year 22% uh ev market share and germany is very conservative car market so that's very very promising to see ev market share in norway last year 75% last month 85% so they are they are they are going really fast right now and European auto industry that still a few years ago was saying that, ah, I don't know if there's demand. I don't know if people are interested in EVs. Now realized last year that yes, there is demand and the market share, they are expecting now that the market share in Europe 25, 25 is 40%. So the change will happen fast. And we can see the same kind of trend lines in U US too. When we get the same number of models available in our market, we will see same kind of growth. There's no question about it. Demand uh, surveys at the, at, the, at the moment show us that 30% of the uh, people are interested in buying EVs as their next car. That is 100 million people in the US. So if that's not demand, what is? All right, industry perspective, industry is seeing this. Um, uh, this lady here is Mary Barra. He's, she's the CEO of General Motors and she's telling us our electric future is now. Um, GM said that they will offer 30 all electric models globally and 40% of U companies US model models as battery electric vehicles by 2025. And they have pledged to uh, eliminate tailpipe emissions from new light duty vehicles by 2035. Ford Europe has said that 100% of their passenger vehicles will be zero emissions capable 2026 and by 2030 all electric. We are expecting Ford to announce uh, their targets for US sometime next month. So uh, keep checking that. And Norway is planning to phase out their sales of all uh, new fossil fuel vehicles by 2025. Jaguar is switching to all electric by 2025. And Volvo CEO, CEO Håkan Samuelsen said, I would be surprised if we wouldn't deliver only electric cars from 2030 onwards. And that was in January when he said that, and they did announce it in uh, February then. And Deborah Wall, chief marketing officer for GM has said that, there are moments in history when everything changes, inflection points. We believe such a point is upon us for the mass adoption of electric vehicles. And why all of this is happening right now, in addition to the uh, drivetrain technologies, the battery technology has improved really fast. And uh, the price of the cars have come down. So manufacturers can make profit with EVs. And that's why this is also happening. All right, in um, Minnesota, um, Department of Transportation provides this kind of electric vehicle dashboard. So go check it out sometimes. Um, but they, it shows us that we have over a thousand public charging stations. And uh, in September uh, and, and uh, vehicles, we had over 14,000 at that time. February, we have 1,100 charging points. So 10% increase in, in that time frame. But the vehicles have uh, registration has increased to 18,748. So really fast developments there. Um, here we can see which makes makers have uh, EVs registered in the, in the, here. And Tesla is clear leader even in September there, several at second Nissan, Ford, and so forth. Uh, but you look at February numbers and Tesla actually increased their sales by two and a half thousand. So it was really big increase there and Chevrolet, Nissan, Ford, others, others following. All right, and you can find all of our 
uh, EVs that are available here in Midwest from our evinfolist.com. So just go to evinfolist.com. You can download uh, this list on PDF formats and it, format and it provides you all the information you need to know about these uh, cars. Then a couple of words about charging. We have to remember that uh, charging happens at home uh, if that's possible. So uh, based on the surveys, 85% of the charging happens at home when you ask from owners. Um, if workplace charging is available, that's used too, but uh, public charging is only used about 5% times. Um, so it's much less than what you would think about it. Uh, originally, when people think about EVs, they think, well, we need a lot of public charging stations. And that's not necessarily true. If you have a good home charging setup in your garage, you'll be fine. Uh, my wife has driven eight and a half years. She has never used public charging station. And I use public charging station only if I do any long trips. And uh, last time I used uh, last uh, this month once, and then before that was July. So not very often. And then talking about how to charge an EV and our panelists will share what this looks like in their garages. But just quickly showing every car comes with the level one cord set. So uh, this one has a J1772 plug ahead uh, that works for all cars. And then the other end is just normal household outlet that you can plug into any normal 120 outlet. So if you have an outlet in a garage, you can start driving electric. That's fine. Many people use this for years. Um, with a limited time, how much power we can pull out of that outlet. So this works well if you drive 30 miles or less in a day. If you drive more than that, then I'd recommend installing level two charging station. And you will see some examples of this from our panelists here. The one on the uh, left there, the white one is a good example of home charging station. They cost about five to $600 and installation um, is very simple. Three wire, 240 volt uh, setup there. Every electrician can do that. And then the fastest way is to charge is to DC, use the DC fast charging stations that are on uh, driving corridors, highway corridors usually by restaurants and other places where you can spend some time while you're waiting for your cars to charge or fuel yourself, um, like, like I, would, I would like to say. Um, uh, right now, people usually use these for 30 to 40 minutes, but we're starting to see these going in a higher power. So the charging time times are dropping to 20 to 30 minutes. And we can even expect slow, uh, faster charging times coming up very soon here in the future. So those are the basics of charging. I will let our panel panelists to continue here to share uh, how they drive and how they charge their cars. Thank you, Yuka. And I want to give a special thank you to all of our panelists who are in their garages, who planned ahead to set up like their computers and get lawn chairs out by their cars. Um, I just think that makes this experience that much more fun. So. Lisa, if you're up for it, I would love for you to introduce us to yourself and your driving habits, I guess. So take it away. <clears throat> well, thank you for inviting me to be part of this panel again. I have a Kia Nero 2019 PHEV. It gets 26 electric miles and then switches over to gasoline. And I typically always use E15 when I'm using filling up with gasoline, which isn't very often at all. Uh, we, we are a one-car household, and we did not expect to ever own an electric vehicle. I live uh, less than three miles from my work, and my husband bikes um, went, you know, half the year or most of the year, and so we ride the bus when we're 
car, not car sharing. So we didn't think that the vehicle would be an option, but um, when we unexpectedly, our car, Chevy HHR died and uh, at the end of December, and we were in the place where we had to buy a vehicle very quickly. And, and I was looking for more flexible vehicles, which I'd had before, and all of them are really big SUVs <clears throat> or a small sedan. So we do a lot of camping and um, paddleboarding and kayaking. So we wanted just somewhere in the middle here. So I had uh, pulled out my list that you had pre been presenting for many years here and looked at my mileage and my um, vehicles, what I needed, my price range, and I came up with the Kia Nero PHEV. So I use uh, level one charging here at home and um, it works great. I do use a lot of public charging and I've kind of changed my habits that I, when I'm running around town, since I just have 26 electric miles, um, running a bunch of errands to the grocery store and so forth, I typically do use up those miles. And so then I'll stop at, when I'm grocery shopping, I go to Hy-Vee where I know there's charging or when we go to parks now, we pick the parks that have public charging too. So I'm one of the few that probably does use uh, public charging more. Um, like I said, we use it for camping and running errands, just typical. Most people don't even realize we have a flexible vehicle, or, I'm sorry, an electric vehicle until we're backing out of their driveway and it's all silent. So that's definitely one of my favorite things about the vehicle. And then um, I just have a simple um, charger that came with the vehicle, level one charging that I take when I travel to my dad's in Wisconsin and I plug into his garage. And it's just a simple cord with um, the base here. And um, we did get an upgrade to, to the system um, this year when they had an upgrade, just a little um, casing around it, but no changes or problems. And then like you, like you just said, it's just a level one, regular 120 outlet. So uh, let me know if you have any questions and I'll pass it on to the next person. Perfect. Thank you, Lisa. And now I think we get two for one with this one. We're going to turn it over to Brian and Karen. Take it away. Hello. All right. I'll, I'll go first. I'll do the technical stuff. Um, we have two EVs. Um, unlike Lisa's, which is a plug-in hybrid PHEV, these are both battery electric or BEVs. Um, to my left here is a Tesla Model Y. And behind Karen is her Chevy Bolt. I'll let her talk about yeah. what she loves about <laughs> it. But um, just briefly, this one, I know, get the common questions out of the way. Well, actually, how we got started, we put solar panels on the house five years ago. And uh, a couple of months later, I thought, why am I not using this power to drive? So I leased a BMW i3 and then later leased uh, a different Chevy Bolt and then a, a, a Tesla Model 3. So th these are actually our fourth and fifth EVs and now we're 100% electric. The Tesla goes about 320 miles on a charge. The Chevy Bolt goes about 260. Those are EPA ratings. And um, mostly we just charge at home and we'll, uh, I'll show you our charger after Karen talks. Um, but um, that's, that's the case for most people. Um, the Tesla is definitely our road trip car that has the nationwide fast charging network. Um, that's the best right now, but fast chargers for all other cars like the Bolt are being built quickly. So 
I think that difference is going to disappear um, in the near term. Uh, my Chevy Bolt here is the pretty blue thing. And uh, I got it a year ago because I really missed the, the Bolt that Brian was leasing before he got his Tesla. He had to turn it back in because the lease ended. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I really like that car. And I'm not even a car person. So for me, it's so simple to drive. Uh, it, it just feels safe. I, I love the feel of it. It's quiet. It's clean. Um, so I got my Bolt a year ago and am loving it. It's so easy. I never have to think about it. I just drive it around town, come home, plug it in in the garage. I don't have to plan five or 10 extra minutes to get gas. I don't have to think about oil changes. I don't, you know, all of that stuff is by the wayside and I love it. And tomorrow I've got sort of a, a little road trip. I'm going about 200 miles round trip tomorrow. So rather than, uh, have kind of range anxiety as I get home and get close to, you know, my round trip and get close to that uh, 200 some miles. Uh, I, I'm going south of Rochester from Plymouth. So Brian called the Chevy dealer down there and just down the road from my friend's house is the Chevy dealer. And they said, sure, plug in here. So I'm gonna plug in for free and uh, just charge while I'm there and then have a full battery as I head home. So it's just very easy. And unlike Brian, I don't get into all the, you know, kilowatts per hour, this and that. I just don't <laughs> even think about it. I just bring it home, plug it in. So with this thing my... right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I'll, that's I'll quickly... my spiel. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> I'm gonna, so it's kind of, I got this thing hanging from the ceiling. Um, we'll pull it down and, the, and then the charge port for the bolt is right there. But where things plug in is right here. So we have, this is the Tesla charger and the bolt charger is plugged in. So I've got two 240 volt outlets. So you can mention level two. These chargers are both capable of level two charging. And here's the one for the bolt. The neat thing about this is that it is portable. You can see it's just hanging on the wall here. So, um, and the, the type of plug that these use is a standard plug um, that is used like for an electric range. And it's also used in RV parks. So this is the same plug that a big RV would plug in that has a large air conditioner. Um, so these, these plugs are everywhere. And a lot of people in the early days of EVs actually charged at RV parks to, to get across the country. It's not as fast as the level three DC fast charging, but it's a lot faster than the 110 volt outlet. So <laughs> it's kind of intermediate and you can fill in, fill up both of these cars overnight, even if they're completely empty when you get home. So um, yeah. Oh, and you know, I should have made it clear too that of course, along the way to on my day trip tomorrow, there are plenty of places I could stop and charge, but rather than taking a 20 minutes or whatever, I just thought, oh, I'll plug it in while I'm, you know, 
on my at my destination. So, and and that's anyway. the, that's the convenience. You don't. It's a rather than thinking of it as an inconvenience to find a charging station, you think of it as oh, I'm charging my car while I'm doing something else. What you don't ever have to do is go to the gas station, or at least with a full battery electric. So that actually makes it more convenient uh, in our experience. Thank you guys. Um, I think we're gonna pass the mic over to Jody. Jody, you ready for us? Yep. So I have a 2013 Nissan Leaf um, that I have had for less than a year now, uh, got it used. I'm kind of the, uh, the um, opposite, uh, perhaps, of uh, five EVs. Um, I'm the type of person that really hates investing in vehicles. Um, I get growly about having to maintain vehicles. I don't like a car payment. I basically just want a car that will get me from point A to point B consistently so I don't ever have to worry about, you know, not being able to be where I need to be. Um, and then I, I, I just am more than happy to run something into the ground. And so um, I've wanted to get um, a full electric vehicle. I previously had a 2007 um, Toyota Prius, um, which I was just going to run into the ground until, you know, eventually it was time to get a, a pl our, uh, just a plug in. Um, we're going to be building a house, and so eventually uh, I, I will have solar panels and be able to charge from that. Um, you know, but last year, middle of the pandemic, I'm sitting in my backyard and uh, just saw posted on Facebook. One of my friends um, uh, was posting a, a used EV. So that was great. Uh, I trusted that person, and then I found out that actually another person that I trusted was the one who was actually selling it. Uh, and that person said, okay, well, what's your use case? And, uh, in, in the case of the, the leaf, it doesn't have the, the range, um, that for example, Brian and, and Karen's car would have, you know, maybe about 80 miles or, or so. Um, and in the end, um, I was able to, to basically change in, um, a Prius, get an, a vehicle that was six years newer and 105,000 miles less. Um, and kind of the net exchange there was about 2,500 bucks. Um, and so for my particular use case, I, I drive from my house to the office and back, probably about 15 miles a day um, uh, up in, in Duluth. Um, if I need to run on top of the hill or run up the North Shore a little bit, um, I can do that. Um, I also find that um, I don't really pay attention to vehicles like when I got my Prius, it had a backup camera and I had my Prius for, uh, what is it, 14 years and I'm still not used to looking at a backup camera. Um, and so the biggest, um, I guess, conversion that I've had on the electric uh, or the plug-in side is I get home and generally I'm talking to my sister on the phone as I drive into the garage and I forget to plug it in. So I might forget to plug it in one day and the next day and the third day that's about as far as I can go if I'm just going to work and back. Fortunately, um, one of our businesses, um, Frost River, they're an outdoor gear manufacturer in Lincoln Park. Um, they've actually put in a couple of chargers uh, it's a block from my office, so um, it works really, really well if I have been forgetful 
um, to be able to just kind of pull um, into their parking lot and park my car there. Um, I've only had to do that uh, twice, um, again, from the forgetful point of view. I need, uh, as more and more people um, are going to need those charging locations, um, I need to get better at remembering that I've plugged it in at Frost River because I have had one day where I walk out at the end of the day and my car isn't where I normally park it. And then I, I realized that I actually had been using the, the EV, you know, um, parking spot all day long. And I really didn't need to be doing that. So um, I'm, I'm a very kind of just pragmatic car driver. It is very easy. I love not having to go um, to gas stations. I love eventually being able to get to a point in which um, it is powered uh, via renewables. Um, and you know, uh, uh, one of the things uh, about my car that I didn't have previously, I mean, and this is what we think about, like with cars, we want them to be comfortable. Um, and it has heated seats and a heating steering wheel that are, you know, really instantaneous. And, um, uh, you know, it's cold enough down in the cities, but uh, up in Duluth, when you get that day, and you can turn those things on, and it's instantaneous, and you can still drive your car and, um, to me, it's 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 very comfortable, um, quiet, and convenient. Jody, I feel like we're on the same like car journey because I have a 2008 Prius with a backup camera that I'm driving into the ground and would love uh, used EV. So I I hear what you're saying. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing. I, I once heard that in New York they brag about how new your car is, and in the Midwest it's it, it's how many hundreds <laughs> of thousands of miles you've accomplished. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, 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 it, it's just my personality. What can I say? <laughs> you know what? I'm at 210,000 and going strong, uh, yeah. but Although I'm looking for now drooling over Brian and Karen's car. So just... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, uh, I'll let you cut, cut the line for the Q and a with them. Um, and now I think we're ready to talk to Heather. If Heather is ready for us. I don't Hi, think Heather. you guys are really ready for me, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Heather Huffman. And I'm from Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, which is the big city that Laura Ingalls and her family would traverse to back in the day. And we're home of 1919 Rupier. Um, I got my PHEV, which is a Chrysler Pacifica. I got that this fall. We needed another vehicle. And I'm very energy aware and very environmentally aware. And I have four kids. I didn't want some gas guzzling big thing going down the road. That's just not me. And vans don't really get that great of gas mileage either. Like I was getting about 19 with my old Dodge van that I had. So I didn't think I'd ever get a new vehicle in my life. I didn't plan on getting a new vehicle. That's not really how I roll either. I'm not a big vehicle person because you drive it off a lot. It loses value. But Looking at this and all that it had to offer and with the $7,500 tax credit that we were able to get, it was just a no brainer. Cause this will go about 32 miles on the electric and the gas mileage is about 30 miles to the gallon, which is great for a, you know, a van, a big family vehicle. Uh, what else do you need to know? Um, I love the get up and go that it has. I thought that it would cruise way, that it would go faster with the gas, but it actually has more get up and go with the electric, which is very interesting. 
I drive, oh, here comes the dog. I drive, um, I've been using it, about, put about 10,000 miles on so far because I do have kids and activities and we're driving all over the place. And I have put on about, it's about 60% electric and the rest is, is gas mileage. Uh, I drive to work 15 minutes or 15 miles. So a lot of times I can do it. I can, I have enough mileage that I need. And then I, I have a level two charger, which we have set up. Yeah, my garage is messy. My van is messy, but that's just like, um, and it's, it's in two hours, I can charge my vehicle back up and it's so handy. And so we had to put a, a separate panel in just because our box downstairs was full, but um, it's not that big of a deal to put that in. And we were the first one in our county to get one through our Brown County REA, which is part of Great River Energy. And they have an awesome program. So we were able to get our level two charger for about $100. And I think it's retailed for maybe $800. And they also upgrade our energy that we use to wind energy. So we, we pay the same that we would pay if we're using you know, traditional energy, but they upgrade us to wind energy and that's through their revolt program. And so that our carbon footprint is even less. So that's just, that's just kind of a fun, cool extra. <laughs> so I'm hoping to see more. I don't, I don't see a whole lot of electric vehicles. I mean, we do have like Springfield is a neighboring town. They put an awesome free charging station in. New Ulm has an awesome free charging station. So I'm hoping we'll see more and, and more of these around because to me, it's a no brainer. I love the instant heated steering wheel and seat too. I've never had any of those things before. So it's been great. Awesome, thank you, Heather. And now, did you say Pipestone or Sleepy Eye? Sleepy eye. Sleepy eye. Got it. Okay. Well, I grew up in Tracy, so I'm from your okay. neck of the woods, kind of. Um, so now I think it's time to move on to the Q&A. So I'm going to put the screen back so everyone attending should be able to see everyone talking. Um, and I want to start with a charging specific question. So Yuka, this one might be uh, targeted toward you first, but then maybe folks who've had experience working with their utilities um, can take it from there. So John says, how can I get Excel Energy to respond to my request to install a home charger? Is there a backlog, Yuka, that I'm not aware of? Well, um, Excel Energy is seeing really fast growth in this area, uh, both, he both here and Colorado. And when Let's say five years ago, they maybe had one or one and a half people uh, working at Excel with EVs. Now they are hiring people left and right to their EV team. I think the last last thing I saw, there was like they were looking for five new people to their team. So they are clearly having a lot of requests uh, from people now uh, because the sales are increasing and people have a lot of questions. And this is what we have uh, kind of tried to do: is is other uh, uh, dealers are experts in selling the cars and then utility companies are experts in what happens in people's garages and with electricity so therefore uh, we are kind of hoping that utility companies are taking the role of helping everybody uh, in that because they have vested interest in this one so um, and we are seeing that when it comes to excel they have um, their email addresses electric vehicles at excel.com so uh, you can just send an email there and if you don't get to respond, 
start calling to their customer service line and buck them through that way. <laughs> then, then just make sure that they hear you. You tell what your case is, what you need from them, uh, and what you need to understand. To get the basic information from all the utility companies, we actually have a website called mncharging.org. So, Joe, if you can I'm pop that the into the chat. Yep. Excellent. And that is designed so that everybody, no matter what's your uh, utility company, can find your utility resources. So just go to mncharging.org, click the uh, down uh, list there of all the utility companies, choose your own utility company, and, takes it and it takes you directly to the utility company's resource pages. So that way you can find, find more information. And, and many of these, uh, especially the bigger utilities, are starting to have a lot of EV information on their site. So they are extremely good resources overall. And, um, and, and then the rate structures and information about these charging and like Heather told, told about the different programs that they have and everything. So yeah, uh, that's, that's the way, but only, only way of course to get their attention is if they don't respond, keep bugging them. So does any, any of our panelists have experience working with their utility beyond what we already discussed to get your EV charger in that you'd like to share? Well, early adopters, you guys weren't, uh, you didn't have like the weight um, that they have now, but it's encouraging to know that they're hiring staff and I'm sure that other utilities are ramping up as well. Um, so now looking ahead to summer and road trips uh, where they're safe and staying where they're safe. I have a question from Matthews specifically about um, taking trips to greater Minnesota. Uh, but Matthews has found that few hotel brands um, have L2 chargers on site. So what is the current state of play and prospect for enlisting large hospitality companies into the EV charging ecosystem? Um, Yuka, do you wanna talk a little bit about what your, or maybe Lisa, you could take this one about what you know is happening in the hospitality industry with EVs, but then maybe some folks on the call would be willing to talk about how they've chased down charging for overnight trips. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Um, there are a lot of, um, with the MPCA uh, corridor work, they're filling in a lot of the gaps throughout the state of Minnesota. They're um, not necessarily always looking at hotels, but I know a lot of the manufacturers, different manufacturers kind of specialize with different vendors. Uh, one company that we work with specifically does hotels. Um, I was going to look up before this meeting here and did not have a chance, but the Alternative Fuel Data Center, AFDC, has a great listing of all, this, of all the charging stations nationwide. And they also have um, the capability of road tripping the route. So you can say, I wanna go within two miles or five miles, I'm willing to go off my route and find me charging stations along there. It's definitely a work in progress, as you know, Tesla has a specific destination charging program where they're looking where they typically put charging in and that's good for the charger, for the Tesla group, but uh, for the rest of us, we're still uh, checking our routes. And, and that's a very good point. The hotels are a very valuable place to charge. Um, EV owners, when they do any longer trips nowadays, that's how they choose their hotels. I don't stay in a hotel if it doesn't provide me charging, if, if there's any options in a neighborhood where I could choose. So I have gone to South Dakota to a conference and a conference hotel didn't have a charging for me. I was like, sorry, 
I'll go to the next door there. They have charging for me. And that's where I stayed. So um, we as a EV owners always like to request if we if we go to town and we can call ahead and say, hey, do you have EV charging for me? Or if we go into hotel and and we see that they have charging and that's why we have chosen it, I always remember to uh, tell them that this is why I'm staying at your place because you are providing charging for me. So it is a comp competitive advantage for those way to differentiate themselves in the market. But more and more is, is definitely needed needed in this space. Anyone yeah. want to add in, uh, Brian? Well, yeah, um, so we haven't mentioned it yet, but there is an app and website called PlugShare um, where you get everything from individual people's homes who put their own chargers on. This was more important in the old days, but um, now all the level two and three chargers are on there and it is a crowdsourced database in essence. So the data is really up to date. Um, we took a trip, a driving trip with the Tesla to Branson, Missouri and um, down and back, uh, you know, it's 900 miles or close to 900 we did in one day each way um, and we just happened to <laughs> we didn't select it the way Yuka mentioned but um, it just so happened that the place that we had found to stay at uh, kind of a timeshare had a brand new charging station so these things are being put in all the time there were only about a half dozen in Branson so we really lucked out but it's like Yuka said, you know, that's, that's definitely a criterion when we choose. And when I plan a road trip, um, basically first map it out to find the supercharger route and then sort of subdivide it if it's multiple days, I'll find where we want to end the day, zero in on that. Usually a, a medium-sized metro is the best. And then find the hotels that have uh, chargers. Yeah, and another... Uh, route planning tool is called a better route planner. Um, and that works for all EVs, not just Tesla's. Um, so that's how I found the charger for Karen going down to Rochester. Um, but yeah, there's plug share. Um, and and I chose there the there's actually you can choose the amenities here. Mm -hmm. So you can choose lodging here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's why you don't see all the if I turn that one off, we'll have much more stations there. Uh, but if I, if I pick the lodging, it just picks the ones that are right by lodging or at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the tools are out there and I think um, people are gonna figure out pretty quickly, um, the hotel owners are gonna figure out that this is a, a, a really uh, a necessary amenity if they uh, wanna be competitive. Perfect, thank you. Um, so now I have a few right, questions. I have one more. Heather yeah, has absolutely. A, Heather has a hotel store this year. I was going to chime in, but then. Yeah, yeah my husband and I, For our 20th anniversary this fall, we had just gotten the van and we head up to Duluth and we had the most fun experience. We get to the hotel, premier parking, because there's a charging station at the Holiday Inn there. And then when we did, you know, the driving up, up north a little bit and there was charging stations at all the parks where it was so busy like everybody was so excited to get out because of covid and we got the premier charging spot so we always had a parking spot it was it was 
it was kind of fun. It's kind of like a treasure hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good tip. Um, so a few questions about winter. So I'm going to start with Ken and Jean. They both ask, how do you do in cold weather? Like, does your owner satisfaction change at all as an EV owner and driver? I, maybe I would start with that one um, simply because my satisfaction is much, much higher now. Um, I had a Prius. I was concerned about like, what is winter going to be like? Duluth Hills, all of that kind of stuff. And the reality is, is it's a car. It drives like a car. You have the right tires on. It drives like a car. And, and the satisfaction is just the instantaneous um, heat that you can have compared to even with my Prius, you know, really pulling, pulling the heat off of, off of the engine um, uh, in, in some situations. And then having things like a heated steering wheel and heating, heated seats, you can't get any better. Winter driving is um, uh, delightful now. I would add, this is one of the low points with our vehicle. We have the base model of the Kia Nero PHEV. And while we only lose two miles in the winter, it goes from 26 to 24 when we pull out of the garage, we don't have heated seats. We don't have heated steering wheel, but the engine also kicks on with the colder weather. So even though we have the electric miles available to us for these short trips around town, it, the vehicle doesn't allow us to use them. So I would definitely recommend just one, getting a, um, a higher base, a higher level than the base level for this particular manufacturer with the Kia Nero. But otherwise um, it was excellent, like, like Jody said. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and mention what <laughs> the item that didn't get any uh, likes on the, on the poll but you know, we're all sitting here in our garages that are typically closed up in the winter. And something you should never try with your gasoline car, and I'm sure nobody does, but um, no problem pulling out the, your phone, opening up the app, and starting the heat on your car. Uh, remote start is absolutely not a problem. Well, I don't know about the plug-in hybrids, how they work, but um, with a pure battery electric, especially when they're plugged in, uh, you're basically heating it off of your, your electricity and they heat up very quickly, um, you know, 10 minutes, in a, especially in a, you know, a tight garage. Um, and it's just something you can't do with a gas car. So that's a great benefit. And uh, I would say for my Chevy Bolt, uh, cold, really cold weather, a lot of rain. Yes, it will cut my range, maybe more so than the Tesla. But um, I really don't care if I'm just driving it in the Twin Cities. I drive it across town. I drive it all day long and plug it in at home. So it doesn't really matter. If I was taking a road trip and it was really cold, I would have to stop more often with the bolt. So. Well, with my van, since mine is the PHEV, uh, I find that I'm fine just using the heated seats and the heating steering wheel. I don't actually need the heat from, you know, like the air heat. And so then I'm able to use a lot more electric that way. So. 
Yeah. Cool. And, and, and this is good that we are finally getting into this very important topic: heat pump heating. Uh, so, as you as you heard from everyone here, it heats up faster, and that's a cool thing because you don't have to wait for the internal combustion engine to warm up anymore. The heat pump heating sta starts immediately and starts blowing uh, warm air and hot air to your cabin. So they heat up faster. And, and as Brian and Karen mentioned there, you can also do it inside inside your cold garage because there's no emissions. So so that's a that's a good thing. So for example, when my wife uh, was was commuting to work, she just went into the, our cold garage 7:20 in the morning, and the car was waiting there. Interior was hot, her seat was hot, and even her steering wheel was hot. So it's pretty luxurious ride from there on um, with her for for her. And then when she's at work and she's ready to leave leave work and go home and it's a cold day outside she can just tell, take her cell phone and tell the car could you please heat yourself up and five minutes after that she can go to warm car again uh, so there's no need to drive with the cold car that's old internal combustion engine technology with evs you don't you don't have to do that anymore well, I think there's an important character building aspect of driving in a cold ah, car that you're forgetting. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why you're keeping your Prius. I understand. <laughs> it makes me stronger. Uh, no, it doesn't. It makes me more miserable. Did you see that letter to the editor that said the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's called a camp mode, too, where you can uh, open up the back, especially in this uh, kind of SUV shape. It's a uh, I'm 6'2", it's, it's big enough for me to lie down in and people put bed rolls in them and you can set it up so that it, it keeps at the, the perfect temperature all night long, doesn't use a lot of battery um, and you can be on your way. We met a guy uh, on the Branson trip who was driving from the East Coast to somewhere in the mountains out west. So. Um, and, and sleeping in his car sleep in his every car. night yeah. and he we were like wasn't it a little cold and he said well of course he's using camp mode so he's got heat on all night wow that's pretty uh, yeah. fantastic and and i just saw in one of the um facebook groups someone was asking for suggestions where are the good good places to go camping with tesla uh or, or other evs right now because their kids wanted to go camping this weekend with the car <laughs> So uh, yeah. that's that's kind of cool thing. Yeah. And, sorry, that just reminded me one other um, great benefit and asset to these vehicles, like you get the auxiliary power. My mom was on oxygen and so she'd have a concentrator and we'd be able to run the um, oxygen in the car on some trips or we'd be stopping for lunch and she'd be able to power up versus always having to worry about having oxygen tanks too. So that was one benefit that really helped us a few years ago. Wow, that's really great. Um, before we stop thinking about winter, um, Jim asks how much the cabin heat in the winter detracts from the vehicle range. So do folks here wanna talk about their experience with losing range in the winter when you've got that heat cranked? Well, generally um, you lose some range from keeping the cabin warm, which you can offset if you want by turning the cabin heat down and just running your seats and your steering wheels, other people have mentioned. But you actually lose more range simply because the battery chemistry gets less efficient. So um, the bolt actually shows you the, um, the breakdown, if you will. It shows a pie chart of where the energy is going. 
but at the end of the, the Tesla does not. So all you know is that you're getting less range and you know, it's getting to the point where as long as you have enough range to get to the next charger, yeah, it's not as efficient, but the there's enough charging around that um, you don't really, it's really more a matter of how far can I get uh, and wh where am I going to charge when I get there? And it, it just plays into your planning. So the only difference is the distance you can travel is less. And once you get used to how the car is affected by the cold and each car is a little bit different, then you just kind of automatically plan that in and um, it just becomes second nature. So and, yeah, and this is a lot of range, but yeah, it's, you know, you just kind of take it in stride. This is kind of the same thing as I mentioned about DC fast charging getting faster. The same happens here with the, with the reins is that we used to talk still five years ago, we were talking about EVs like, well, okay, I don't know about the reins yet. Reins still, I mean, does it have enough? And at that time, the cars provided us about less than 100 miles, or around 100 miles range, roughly. Now, last year, average EV sold, full battery electric vehicle sold in the US had over 250 miles of range. So that is really not usually not an issue. Like, like Karen said, she doesn't think about it in the wintertime. Maybe she loses 50 miles from her 260 miles of range or 60 miles or even 70 miles. It's probably not too often that, that you drive 200 miles a day. Average person in the US drives 37 miles a day. So this is becoming less and less of an issue. And, and of course, those who range is, a, is important and they, they need a lot of flexibility, then they can always choose to plug in hybrids. Um, just like Lisa and Heather have, have done with their cars. You can uh, still get most of your driving done with electricity, but you don't have to think about the range. So it depends on your own comfort level uh, and your use case and choose the cars uh, based on that. Yep. All right, I've got a couple of electricity questions coming in from Ron. So first, how many amps for a 120 volt charger? You could go. <laughs> Lower eight and, and higher setup 12. Um, usually if people use it all the time, I would recommend using eight because it taxes the outlet uh, less. Um, if you wanna use 12 amps for your charging, then I would uh, make sure that the outlet is very high quality and your wiring is in good shape too. So that would be the answer to that. No other loads on the circuit. Mm. Got it. Uh, so Ron, second question, and Lisa, I feel like you might be well equipped to answer this based on your anecdote that you shared. Um, are there 120 volt outlets in the vehicle? Yeah. So, okay, are they in all models, Yuka? Not in all models, but there are more and more models that will be providing that. And there are uh, there are uh, some that are now coming out. Um, Hyundai Ionic 5, for example, where they have shown uh, that you plug a plug into your charging port, and then you can actually put their higher power equipment into that one. So then you can run run a bigger equipment from your car. And these have a lot of power, and they have a lot of capacity in our cars. I was just calculating that one of our EVs could power our household for seven days without any problems. So that tells you how much energy there actually is uh, if you would like to run some of the some equipment. That's why camping mode is not an issue in, in a car. You can leave it, leave it uh, heating, keep the heat up the whole night because you just lose maybe 20 miles of range next day or something like that, and you're fine. 
Excellent. Okay. Um, well, Lynn has a question about charging. So uh, per your pie chart, Yuga, 85% of charging happens at home, 10% at work, and 5% in the public. So what is driving people's behavior there? Why are they mostly charging at home? Is it because of convenience or is it because there are no sufficient chargers in public areas? Well, it's, it's basically because home charging is the most convenient and the cheapest way to power your driving. Um, you get lower rates during the night times from electric utility companies. So rather than if you are on an EV rate, you might get half of electricity overnight. Well, it doesn't cost you anything to drive electric with, with those pricing. So definitely you want to charge it at home. And convenience is really, as long as Jody remembers to do the plug it in, it takes her about 10 seconds to plug it in uh, when she comes home. So it's, it's not really an issue in that way. You just let it charge overnight. It's kind of like for our cell phones. Um, there are public places where you could go and plug the cell phone in, but you're not gonna go there and try to find a public place where you plug the, your cell phone in. You just charge it uh, at home during the nighttime usually, and, and then it's good for you. Yeah, convenience is totally, you, you can't believe it until you, you experience it. It's like, I never have to go to a gas store again. But if I wanted to charge at high V, if I was running low, I was doing errands around town all day long, it's cold out, I need to charge. I mean, I'll just pull up to the, the charging station at high V and get a little juice enough to get me home. And that is free, but it's less convenient. You know, we wouldn't drive to high V just to charge our car, you know, because we'd have to sit there. Um, so yeah, convenience is everything really in my I, mind. I have stopped once to high V to charge our older Nissan Leaf that you can see behind me there, that one, um, when it was just before Christmas time and I had my brother and his wife with me and we had been driving around the town the whole day and I was like, oh, we could probably get home but with this charge, but if we stop at the highway, we can charge a little bit and go and do some shopping there at the same time. We went there, plugged the car in, 45 minutes later, uh, highway had probably provided us maybe 35 cents worth of electricity, which we valued uh, at that point, and we had spent $130 at highway. <laughs> so everybody won. But yeah. that's exactly that, exactly a good example of how these can be an attraction for new for customers too. And again, I wasn't thinking to go to Cub next door. I was going to High V because they provided me charging. Hey, yeah, this charger is at that Cub. Sorry. I was just going to say this is <laughs> this hey, is slightly off topic, but I remembered I wanted to share this that. So September, October, November, November, you know, I've had about six, seven months of charging and my monthly cost is about $35, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I rarely go to the gas station. I do occasionally have to go to the gas station, but I feel like almost never compared to what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. So that actually, I think you just answered Jim's question and maybe other folks want to chime in on this too. Given today's electric rates, what is the cost for filling the fueling an EV? And Yuga, you mentioned 35 cents to get you home and, and Heather, $35 a month. Um, does anyone else have a, an anecdote or story they wanna share about, about how much you're paying to fill up or like what your expectations were going in and, and how reality kind of shook out? 
Yeah, typically uh, with charge points, again, I use the charging stations to when I'm visiting parks and hiking and so forth. And I keep $10 on the uh, charge card on the account RFID. And it lasts me usually six months. So I'll spend like one to $2 here or there, or 50 cents. So it's very minimal, if not free. And, and at home, like we have solar, so we don't have time of use. Um, so you can figure like 10 cents a kilowatt hour. We'll do a little bit of math here. And these cars can go, let's say four miles on a kilowatt hour. So to go 40 miles is a dollar, is a kind of a way to think about it. So if you drive 40 miles a day, it's a buck a day. And I think we've been talking a lot about home charging and the quantity of charging that happens at home, but I wanna circle back and talk about how a lot of people are charging at apartments and condos that like maybe they don't have their own dedicated garage. And I know Yuka, you have been putting a lot of work over the past five plus years into working with architects and developers to make sure that they plan to in some ways like future proof their buildings for EVs because multi-unit dwellings house a lot, a lot of people, especially in cities. And as more and more people adopt EVs, those buildings have to be ready to accommodate charging. So you could, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll say a couple of words about that. So definitely right now when I'm talking to architects or developers, um, I'm, I'm telling them pretty, pretty straightforward that if you are building something right now and you're not taking EV charging into account, you're building it wrong, period. Because someone else has to go there in a couple of years uh, and re retrofit that building for EV charging. And it's much more expensive to do at that point than what it would have been if they would have taken that into account initially. So um, there are ways to do that. Um, and utility companies are fortunately also getting more, uh, providing more help and resources on this one. So, so they are uh, providing good programs for people in the near future here um, to help that. But it takes more stakeholder involvement. There has to be much more people involved in doing the planning process, figuring out what's fair for everyone, how, sh how should they, they do it. Uh, but good news, it's, it's doable and we will see it, see it coming definitely. But it is a new amenity that all of these buildings will have to add. Uh, there's no question about it. One, just yeah, to add to that, there is a lot of policy and legislation in place in different um, parts of the country. Uh, lead certification, they say, you know, for the for the highest levels, if you put in charging infrastructure or planning to, that gets you extra points and lead certification. Um, parking lots are required to have two to four percent of their parking. So it really is becoming more and more common, especially with work that you've just done, that it keeps being in front of people's minds. And then we just received a project where we're going to be helping um, multi-unit dwelling with 25 uh, low income and uh, medium income to put into charging too. So it's coming. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't put in a plug for you. Yuka, Yuka offers a, a continuing education course that he's been giving to mostly architectural firms up until this point. Um, my friend who's an architect in Colorado uh, actually attended it not that long ago and she said she learned a lot. And in fact, you've been getting some feedback from architects and developers who have made changes to projects in progress due to what they heard. So um, keep that everyone listening in your back pocket as an opportunity for you know, your workplace or any of your kind of colleagues going forward. 
um, you guys happy to present usually. Yeah, and, and, and this is kind of highlights the thing that we have to do a lot of education, everyone. Uh, we have to be sharing good information for all of our colleagues and friends and relatives and everybody about EVs. And that's how we can move these things forward. So, so don't be shy. Uh, just open up your mouth and, and tell about your experiences or, or tell about uh, how you are considering buying an EV now and why you're doing that. Uh, yeah, I think too, um, we've got seven minutes left. We've got four questions in the hopper and I have a feeling a few more will come in, but I'm realizing we haven't talked about like the purchasing process or shopping yet. And I, I feel like in the past, that's been like a big point that we've discussed. So Mike asks a question about buying a used EV. Where are the good places to shop? So he's thinking a Bolt, but maybe a Tesla. So does anyone have any you know, favorite stories from purchasing your EV um, bonus points if it was used. Okay, Brian and Karen, because you have both of those, what would you say yeah. right now? Well, I just want to say, as far as the Bolt goes, right now the 2021 is actually cheaper than if you were to buy a used because of all the dealer incentives. And if you have a Costco membership, you can get $3,000 more off if you get... But that's only through tomorrow, I think. So. Exactly. You, you have to be quick with that one, but you can you still make it. To, you'd have to buy it tomorrow. And it's a it's a best time to buy a car at the end of the month. Yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, as far as used, Brian's had the experience with getting used uh, for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just we bought both of these new. So those are that's not it. Tesla. You buy it from the company. You go online. You place your order. It's like buying something from Amazon. Uh, only simpler. Okay. On um, the Bolt, we worked with a dealer in the East Metro. There's lots of great dealers, uh, Chevy dealers selling Bolts. And now Ford has uh, Mach-E's Mach new and VW has ID4s that they're starting to, and they're, they're all starting to mimic Tesla's sales model too, where the, it's more of a fixed price. You order it directly from the company. And then the dealership is more of a facilitator and Completing the paperwork. Asking about used. But used, yeah, there's a, I'll just do a shout out for uh, a guy in Hopkins. Uh, his company is called GS Motors. And um, if you Google GS Motors, he is the, the one that people keep citing over and over again as far as he's got, he gets Teslas, he gets Leafs, he gets Bolts, and a few other miscellaneous things. But he's strictly EV. And I, I think he might be might do mechanics too, doesn't he, Yuka? Not really. Not really. Okay, but he's he's very knowledgeable, so um, he's a great guy to go to. And then yeah, I mean just keep your eye out. Um, I helped a a buddy buy a, a, a used Tesla Model Three from um, the Honda dealership down in Bloomington. So they are starting to be in the used market. Um, just off of wholesale. So dealers buy cars at wholesale and they bring them in and they turn around and sell them. So Model 3s are definitely starting to come in. Certainly there are lots of bolts and lots of used Leafs in the market. Um, and then I would, again, put in a plug for the uh, Minnesota uh, EV owners group that Yuka mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> You know, if you if you join that group, takes a few minutes, and you say I'm interested, you'll have 25 replies within an hour. I mean, it's it's just a phenomenal group, and and 
it's not a sales site per se, but um, you can quickly take conversations offline after asking a question and people are just really willing to help. And, and sometimes people sell their cars there too, when they are upgrading yep. their car, uh, they are posting it there. And and there are good use deals too. I mean, just like Jody said, they, she, she just put $2,500 on top of her, her old car and sell, sold that and moved into a, a new leaf. Um, so the leaf that you can see behind me there, our, our leaf, I paid $7,500 for that uh, two years ago. And uh, that one still has 84% of the battery capacity left. So I'm expecting that to last another eight years uh, in our use. Uh, so, and then uh, driving, I said, 20 to 40 bucks a month. Uh, so, and very little maintenance needs. As long as you know how, how to put air in the tires and windshield wiper fluid, you're pretty, pretty far already with the, with the EV maintenance items. So it is by far the cheapest way to drive, uh, no question about it. And Jillian chimes in too that cars.com is a good place to shop for newer used EVs as well. So we have four questions. I want to get through them. We have two minutes. So let's all be on point here. Lightning um, <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. Do any of the EVs have automatic parallel parking? Many of them do. Okay, so I see yes is a no. So Jody, no for yours. Heather, yes for yours. Yeah. All right. No, Brian no. and Karen. Uh, Tesla's do if you. I think you need full self driving though. Okay. All right. Lisa. No, definitely no not. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. So, but that is a thing that some have. Yep. Is the upshot. All right. We took too long with that one. On to the next. Let's say, uh, so Lynn says, let's say in 2025, when most people have shifted to all electric vehicles, do you think the way people charge will change as well? Well, it stands to reason that more charges will be in the ecosystem. Um, so charging while shopping at the grocery store or, or at the doctor will probably be more widespread, but also there will be a lot more competition for those charging stations. Um, Yuka, what do you think? I'm thinking that the home charging again is, is the main place where charging happens. So, uh, and people will have, and the, our battery technology is getting cheaper all the time. Ranges will get higher. So there's less need to charge outside of your home as long as you have a good home charging setup. All right. So Dewey has kind of a philosophical question. Would you be willing to use an L2 charger at a location if you had to pay for the charging? No. No, okay, but some yeses, some no. So really, it's it's specific to the owner. It and it depends on your situation. I'll give you an example. If I drive somewhere and I go to hotel, and hotel says it's five bucks a night for you to charge, I'm really happy to pay five dollars for you. Great. Uh, it's not an issue in, in in those cases. But at the same time, if I don't need the charging, of course, then I probably won't be paying for it. Sure. Okay. Uh, last question from Terry. Terry says, if I have a PHEV, what is the best way to sell it? Um, start with the, with the posting it in Minnesota EV owners group. Um, we have 2,000 members. There are people who are looking for good cars for themselves, maybe. Their relatives, their friends, and other things that say, hey, I have this one. That's the first thing to start. Um, uh, and then Facebook Marketplace is another one where I, where I would post it. 
Perfect. You guys made it through the questions. Good job. Um, the one thing that you you didn't add that I'm going to chime in here with in these remaining seconds is um, there is no right or wrong time to buy an EV. The market is changing fast and holding out for you know two years for this one model you heard is coming. Um, Yuka gives this sermon a lot, so I won't I won't take too much of your thunder here, um, but just buy it and then sell it in a couple of years. The the used market is really good. Um, Yuka, anything yeah, to add? Yeah, I mean, the sooner you can start driving electric, more you will enjoy it. That's how it is, and there's no, no reason why not to go that direction already. Uh, don't wait for your the car to dry uh, car to die. If you can still make, get some money from it, sell it and then get electric. You guys, I feel like that one was personally directed at um, me. I didn't Sorry. look at you. <laughs> quick, quick reminder too, I can't help but say, I, as an employee of the American Lung Association, uh, air pollution is the single largest source of air emissions is the single largest source of air pollution. So the sooner people change over to electric vehicles, it's gonna have a big impact on the air quality in Minnesota. We just had the state of the air report come out. And while we did get pretty good grades for our region, um, we are on the edge of going into attainment. And when that happens, there's more fines and fees and regulations put in place. So just um, changing your habits and driving makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And I would just say, um, we're in the Lincoln Park neighborhood of Duluth. Um, absolutely love it. Stop by for our craft brews and ciders and all of that. But we host um, uh, what's called the Twin Ports Interchange or Can of Worms. There's so much concrete and transportation there that our neighborhood, 3,000 residents in this one census uh, track, are surrounded by 1.6% of the bridge surfaces from the entire state of Minnesota. Um, and it won't surprise you that as, as these residents have that transportation and air quality burden, um, that they have really poor respiratory health and actually have a life expectancy variance of 20 years less than other areas of our community. And you know what? One in three of those households don't have access to a vehicle. So you're driving through our, our, our neighborhood and the people that are bearing the burden are the ones that right now aren't necessarily in the position to buy electric vehicles. So if you do it, it's gonna help everyone. Absolutely. Any last uh, words, any tidbits folks missed getting in there? Um, this is your final shot. We're three minutes over, so I'm being generous here. I, any... I think Jody and Lisa closed it very nicely here. So I think Perfect. we better, better leave it to that. That is very important thing for us to keep in mind. Well, there you have it. Thank you for tuning in to the audio recording of our webinar. You can stay up to date on Fresh Energy's work at fresh-energy.org or follow us on social media. Thank you everyone listening for subscribing to our podcast and you can support Fresh Energy's work by making a donation today. Just visit our website at fresh-energy.org and click donate in the upper right corner. And don't forget to tell your legislators that you support Clean Cars Minnesota and the role of the MPCA here in Minnesota. You can do that again at fresh-energy.org. Just click the take action button, this time in the upper left corner. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.